The Champions League previews are back. Let's go. I get those goosebumps every time. I just have to get the big fellow off the bench. Could oh, this be their last chance now? In it comes. Monster to the ground. He scores. Oh, he's gone. Oh, yeah. I get those goosebumps every time. I need the hind to throw that to the side. I get those goosebumps every time. Yeah, when you're not around, when you throw that to the side. I get those goosebumps every time, yeah, 713, through the 21, yeah, I'm riding, why they on me, why they on me, I'm flying, I'm sipping low-key, I'm sipping low-key and high, yeah, it's fine to ride up. I get those goosebumps every time, I'm around, yeah, you lose my mind, you make everything go fine. Hello, hello. We are back again. We do not stop here on Loaded Mag NUFC. Welcome to our Champions League match preview. And uh, yeah, I've got to admit, like feeling good right now, Chris. Um, another win on the on the belt uh, this weekend. How are you? How's things? Very good, mate. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you, Pete, I'm feeling confident after the uh, the emphatic win against Palace uh, on Saturday, which was much needed. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously we've made a, a strong start to our uh, first Champions League campaign in 20 years. You know, we've got four points on the board, top of the table, um, and another another test. But this is what happens in the Champions League, isn't it? You you come up against top teams. Uh, every game, um, and you know, none more so than uh, British Dortmunds. So, yeah, looking forward to looking forward to having our guests Anton and Sarah on tonight, and then um, yeah, talking things all Champions League. Uh, we're now switching our attention from the Premier League back to the Champions League, and yeah, can't wait. Definitely, and it's not going to have to get used to. I think yeah. it's become mm-hmm. switching our attention from Premier League to Champions League. Fingers crossed, anyway. But look, welcome to everyone in the chat. Uh, great to have so many people uh, in the chat already. And as well, welcome to Howard. Um, became a member, uh, a loaded ultra, shall we say. Um, a new member um, for the channel. Great to have you on board, uh, Howard. And welcome to so many already in there. Uh, N9, welcome to you. PDK, welcome to you, mate. Um, all right. Uh, to Bill, uh, Craig Lee, uh, Nathan Page. Um, we've got the, so many others in the chat as well. Alan Thompson's in there. And um, there's a few questions already coming in. Uh, David Cook's in the house, as well as Leon, and many, many more. Great to see you all in there, and welcome. And, of course, um, it's not an away days without having the opposition view, and it's an absolute pleasure um, to welcome in uh, not one, but two um, get fans of Borussia Dortmund. It's again. <laughs> I told you. I don't know how it happens. Uh, the balloons come up. They must think it's my birthday. I've got no idea what's going on. But um, it's a pleasure to welcome two um, fantastic uh, guests to come on and talk all things Borussia Dortmund. So um, from the Glasgow Borussian um, uh, uh, fan group, we have Anton. Welcome, Anton. Hello. How are you doing? And we have Sarah from the BBB Orlando. Cheers. Hey, welcome both. Uh, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. So thank you for coming and taking time 
to join us. Um, sorry about the balloons, by the way. I don't know why it happened. Just these <laughs> random things just happen to when I'm on the show. But uh, it just adds to the excitement. It does. It does. Oh, it is a happy oh, time, um, and Chris will, uh, will will testify to that for sure. But look, first things first. We've got yourself, Anton, from Glasgow. We've got yourself, Sarah, from Orlando. I just want to know. I think everyone wants to know. How did you become? Um, Borussia Dortmund fans. So, Anton, how how did this all come about for you to be uh, following um, the the yellow and black? Yeah, um, nineteen ninety two. Celtic played Borussia Dortmund. I'm a Celtic fan first, and then obviously we got Borussia Dortmund in the old UEFA Cup. Um, the fact the away fans were amazing that night. Um, they beat Celtic two one, and the strip, the famous neon yellow strips, and it just got me attracted, and I kind of took it for them. As I got older than that, a few Scottish players obviously played for them as well in the past. Um, Paul Lambert, Murdo McLeod, uh, briefly Scott Booth as well. Um, but just uh, the, the strip and the, the fans was a kind of real attraction for me and then obviously just kicked on for there. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it is an iconic strip. It does really stand out for sure. And what about yourself, Sarah? Yeah, I'm kind of an, a newer fan. I have been following BBB just since 2014. Prior to that, I'd been really obsessed with the German national team. And after the World Cup win, I was just so hooked on the sport. I was like, I need more football and happened to catch a match between Bayern and BBB. The commentators just kept going on and on about BBB being the underdog. And I was just obsessed from that moment on because I'm a sucker for the underdog. And now I probably say that I bleed black and yellow. I love it. Love it, but no, uh, great to great to always hear the stories about how uh, fans come to support their their club. But the most important thing is that you support your club, and it's great to see you've got representatives um, from both sides of the pond, really, um, which, which is great. But um, there was one one comment in the chat, Chris, um, mm-hmm. from Craig. I think he just put it up a minute ago. Um, oh. It, it says, is it just me or does the graphic in the black and yellow loom like the Disney symbol? Yes. Um, so from the BBB Orlando, is that, is that true? Is that the Disney symbol? Um, it is. Well, maybe actually, maybe I shouldn't say that because I don't want to run the risk of copyright infringement. Please <laughs> 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 don't report me to the House of Mouse. But yeah, it absolutely is very much a play on... The Disney logo because I'm in Orlando. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> no, amazing. Um, no, but great to great to hear your stories. And look, want to talk about Borussia Dortmund um, in, in a little bit of detail as well. Um, from your perspective, you know, how have you made what, what have you made to your start of the season in general? So, uh, first and foremost, um, here's the current or I feel like it's the update, could have changed for some fixtures today. But you're sitting fourth in the Bundesliga, uh, 20 points. Um, you know, you've got six wins on the on, on um sort of notched on your belt already. You know, how would you assess your start of the season, Anton? Like is it what you would expected? Would you expect it to be higher, um, top of the league, or 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 is it, you know, is it sort of a run of the mill to you? Yeah, well, apart from the Heidenheim result, well, two nothing up against a team that hadn't acquired any points in the Bundesliga in the first season, um, kind of lost that. Well, ended up drawing two two, but it feels like more of a defeat. 
Um, that's probably been the only thing that's been a bit annoying, but I think there's that. What I kind of like about it is that um, a couple of scrappy 1-0 victories, whereas maybe seasons past, they would have been draws of defeat. So I'm kind of liking that and still in touch as well, even if it's not it's not the best start, but definitely kept kind of the top, top end of the table, keep your, yourselves in there, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Is uh, so. Um, I want to ask you, Sarah. Like, what what are your sort of aspirations in the Bundesliga this season? Like, where where do you see yourselves competing? Do you see yourselves competing for the league title? Um, I think it's been a number of years since you actually won it. And and if I'm right in thinking, were you really close? Was it last season? Yeah, winning the league. I don't want to bring back bad memories, but I just couldn't remember it in the back of my mind that you were really. really <laughs> Yes, the wound is still very fresh for many of us. <laughs> and it came down to, I think, goal differential, uh, you know, so that just really made it more, even more bitter for, for so many of us. I think our hope collectively is always for us to, you know, try and win the title. And where we're sitting right now, even though, like Anton said, the start to the season was not our best and, you know, Anyway, it was really kind of disappointing on many levels. But I think, again, based on where we are right now, it's still it's still a possibility. We're not even halfway through the season. So, you know, anything can still happen, I think, at this point. No, definitely. Yeah, it, it, I'll come back to you. In your opinion, it, what, what do you make of kind of the, the Bundesliga? Because... You know, we're, we're in a position now, and I think, Chris, you might agree with me. We're, we're in a position now where um, Man City are on, on the verge, potentially this season, of, of breaking the record of, of winning four Premier Leagues in a row. Yeah, And that's not happened before. I think Man United were the last ones to do three in a row. Um, but, but in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich have won it so many years now. Um is there a need from the from the league, from what you observe and, and following the league, is there a need from not just Russia Dortmund, but another team to win and kind of dethrone by Bayern Munich? And do you see you as, as the team to do that? Yeah, um, definitely. I think possibly RB Leipzig as well. Um, they'll be, they'll have aspirations to kind of go and win the title at some point as well. But similar to what you said about um, the Premier League, like no team in, in England won it four in a row. If I'm correct, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think um, before Bayern had kind of stormed away over the last like eleven years, won in the league. Before that, is like it was. I think it was like the most it'd been won in a row in the Bundesliga was was three years. Um, so it's just this has only happened over the last maybe uh, eleven years or since the last time Dortmund won it in 2011, 12 season. Um, but definitely, I think Dortmund's always had a big. It's always a big challenge over the last. Um, maybe 20, 25 years or whatever. Um, but there has been other teams like Wolfsburg have won it. Uh, Werder Bremen have won it before as well. So um, they are probably out of the picture, I would say. But um, it's probably ourselves and RB Leipzig. It was maybe Leverkusen this season because they look really good um, under Alonso as well. And some of the the midfield play has uh, <laughs> been amazing. So they're definitely contenders this season. Interesting. Uh, Chris, from your perspective, Borussia Dortmund, you know, how much have you seen of them um, this season? Like, what what are your opinions um, about Borussia Dortmund, but also the test that we're going to be up against this week? 
Mm. Yeah, I've got to admit, I haven't seen much of Bittershoe Dortmund this season so far. Um, but, you know, huge club. Um, obviously, whenever I, me personally, whenever I think of Bittershoe Dortmund, I just think, you know, one of the powerhouses of German football. Um, I always think of the yellow wall. I just think, you know, absolutely fantastic fan base. Um, always support the team. Uh, real working class club. And that's that's what I really like because I, I like to think we are as well. You know, we we uh, the thing about British Dortmund is like over the years, um, they've they've had they've you know had some fantastic players as well. Um, so for me, I think that I think the the game this week, some some may say it's it arguably uh, you know it's arguably a big chance for us to pick up three points because obviously we've gone to the San Siro and got a point, um, which which you know was. We didn't play fantastically well, but to get a point at the San Siro, no one would ever argue or you know uh, reject that. Um, and then obviously the way that we beat PSG, um, I think most people, if you'd have asked them at the start of the group stages, who do you think will qualify from our group? Um, hopefully, you know Anton and Sarah, you agree with me. I think most people would have said PSG and AC Milan. Um, so we we both kind of been underdogs in this. So I, I'm I'm particularly interested to see how we get on. Um, you know, on Wednesday, because I don't think it's going to be easy. I think it's going to be a, a difficult challenge. But I just hope somebody in the chat said it as well. I just hope that we don't underestimate Dortmund. I don't believe we will, um, because, like I say, absolutely huge club. Um, you know, steeped in history. But I think the game's going to be more difficult, maybe, than what some fans realise, um, because Dortmund are no slouch, and we saw that with the with the league table. You know, two points off top. Um, and the, the, the Bundesliga is becoming more and more competitive. You know, as Anton said, I think for many, many years it was uh, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund and then everybody else was just kind of whatever. But you've got Leverkusen emerging, you've got RB Leipzig. Um, so the, the German league is, you know, really starting to become more competitive, I think. Yeah, definitely. Would you? So from your perspective, guys, um, you know, how, how, how do you kind of assess... Uh, Newcastle, from from your perspective, were you expecting Newcastle to be at the top of the league at this moment in time? And I'll just I'll I'll, I'll drop it um, on the screen just so we can have a, a look at the the current table. Just share it on there, so hopefully you can see it. Um, so that's the table as it stands right now. Um, hey, Joey, don't, don't want to see that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, uh, of course. But like you know. How that table looks right now is that what you expected, Anton? Did, did you, or did you kind of expect you guys to be up there and more competitive at that stage? So only, it's only two games gone. Yeah, I was, I was kind of hoping to get a maybe a sneaky victory against Milan at home. Um, the PSG away game, yeah, probably expecting a, a tougher game there, despite them not being the same as they were the last couple of seasons, but. Um, I think it's probably down to you guys getting a good result in Milan and obviously smashing PSG at home, which, which has made it more difficult for us. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, uh, it, it was always going to be a bit of a um, a surprise with AC Milan. I think most people outside of Newcastle thought that we weren't going to, going to get anything um, from that game at all. And I think... Would you agree, Chris? Do you think that that gave us the confidence to go into the PSG game and really kind of have a go at them, knowing we had a point on the board from the San Siro? Um, possibly, Pete, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because 
when we when we came away from the San Siro after that point, I think we were a little bit like, oh, we got away with one there because we were we were good value for the point. Don't get me wrong, but if you look at the stats and if you watch the game, you know AC Milan were you know a little bit unlucky not to score really because you know our backs were against the wall for a lot of the game. Um, but I think getting that point at the San Siro, which nobody nobody would argue with, um, any point away from home, we, we always say this, don't we, Pete? Any point away from home is never a bad point, especially when you're coming up against the likes of AC Milan. Um, but I think we were just able to kind of express ourselves a little bit more than, you know, Anton and Sarah will know when, when we're at St. James's Park, as I'm sure, you know, when, when Borussia are playing at home. It, it's, it's a massive opportunity because you know you've kind of got the 12th man in the, in the fans. Um and I, I, you know, we were talking about how shell shocked PSG were when they came to St James's Park, um, and you know the, the the atmosphere was unbelievable. I mean, Pete, you were there, weren't you? So you know, you, you would was. be able to say that for you, Pete, did that did that make the difference? Was that was did that really really help in terms of us the the performance that we put in against PSG? One hundred and ten percent. As I said to you before, we I don't remember. An atmosphere like that. I've supported the club for 30 years. I've never ever heard an atmosphere at St. James's Park like that. And that that I think was the difference. I think PSG weren't expecting us to play like that. I don't think PSG were expecting the fans to be as electric as they were. And it made a massive, massive difference. Um, and that that was effectively at times in the game what got us through. So I, I go back to a particular point. The last, um, I would say, including including injury time in the first half, I would say the last 10 minutes of that first half, the fans got Newcastle over the line for that because yes, you were putting a, a, under a little bit of pressure, but the players were working 10, 20% harder, maximum, maximum work rate intensity. Uh, and that got them through. They were able to regroup PSG with the third goal early in the second half, and then that opened up um, us to kind of play how we wanted to play. Um, and, and I really do think the fans were a big part of that. I haven't seen the backing. You get fans in every stadium that will have moments of madness where they properly, and you you guys will know from a Borussia Dortmund point of view, um, Sarah and Anton, is that you'll, you'll, have, you'll know you'll have pockets in the game where your fans will be at it. You'll be right behind your team. But then it kind of dampens down again. That game at St James's Park, it was for ninety plus minutes. Like I remember telling you, Chris, I got into the stadium probably just about quarter to ten to, so ten fifteen minutes before kickoff, and it was like that from that moment all the way through to probably sort of twenty minutes after the game. Um, it was just constant, um, and I've never ever experienced that before. But um, you know, what what from from your perspective? Um, like from Dortmund fans, what what are you kind of expecting coming to to sort of St James's Park? Like I've obviously put the fixtures up um, uh, for this week. Obviously, you know it's a big game for for Paris and Milan. You know what are you expecting from St James's Park? Um, you know from the fans, from your fans, for example, because you guys have a, have a good following too. And do you think you, as a fan base, could kind of potentially quite in this is down to a point uh coming to St James's Park what do you think so well the ultras always make a good show on the road for sure so I you know there's no doubt doubt about that 
But if I recall correctly, Newcastle, this is the first time in the Champions League if in 20 years or something, right? So I think with that, um, you know, that's a lot to kind of contend with. And I, I think is a really you know, good explanation as to why it was probably so electric there for you, for you guys during that match. And I don't imagine that that will change for you all either. So it will, um, you know, just be very interesting to see the two fan bases interact and how much of the BBB Ultra voices can be heard against your fan base. But I think they'll definitely still, you know, make a very good showing for sure. Definitely. And Anton, am I right in thinking you might be traveling down? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to drive. I'm driving down through Glasgow um, on Wednesday. I, I'm contemplating taking in the under-19s game as well, which starts at three o'clock. So I might, I might try and make it for that. And then I, I'm self-employed, so I'll work again the next day. So I'll drive back up straight after the game. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've been to St. Jude's Park before a few years back, so uh, I know the atmosphere. And it's you guys probably the same as the kind of UK. Hardcore fans like Liverpool, um, Celtic and Rangers. Um, Ibrox, a couple of seasons ago, was um, an amazing atmosphere that they created. Um, so, I kind of what you said, Chris. Um, I think it will definitely make the, the Newcastle players try a bit harder and give an extra 10%. Um, it won't phase the Dortmund players because they've, they've dealt with this um, week in, week out in Germany as well. We, we yeah. other ultra fans in loud stadiums and away in Europe as well, so it's not how it's going to affect the Dortmund players, it's how it's going to raise the Newcastle players, I think. Yeah, definitely. And look, I'll ask you outright, the the league then, when I put it on on the screen, it didn't make great reading at this point now, because it's only two games in. But have you still got full confidence that you can make the top two and qualify to the next stage uh, of the Champions League? I would be. Um, hopefully, hopefully get a, a victory. Um, if, we get, if we can beat you guys back to back, that's six points, and then we've got PSG at home. And although you did them over big time, um, I think regardless of that, I think that PSG are going to be there for the taking for any kind of bigger team this season because they're no, they're not the team that used to be um, over the past few seasons. So, um, I think the old cliche is, but the manager always say, take one game at a time. We'll, we'll see for there. Are you the same mindset, Sarah? Yeah, I think we definitely have our work cut out for us. Absolutely. But, um, you know, it's possible. And I'm really also very curious and anxious to see how things shake out with Milan and PSG. Of course, that will have an impact on on things, too. But yeah, it's, it won't be easy, but it's still possible. Uh, definitely. Um, and Chris... What are your thoughts of a potential Newcastle Dortmund qualify first and second maybe in uh, into the next round? Would, would you take that? I'd love that. I'd absolutely love that. Yeah, because like I said, I, I think a lot of a lot of people see Newcastle and Dortmund as the underdogs. Um, you know, so for us to go through, I mean, imagine imagine quite a qualifying group stage and PSG and AC Milan get knocked out. Like that, that that's a story, that isn't it? That that's that's absolutely huge. Um so now I'd be delighted. I'd, and and the two best fan bases going through as well of the group. That's what what more can you ask for, you know? No, I think that I think that'd be uh I think that'd be really, really good. What I wanted to ask actually, and Pete, I'll ask you this as well, as well as uh, Anton and Sarah. 
what uh, other than the obvious, which I suppose is a draw, but if you had to have one of the, uh, whether it be PSG or AC Milan winning in that other fixture, what would you prefer and why? Anton, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, you go. You can, you can answer first. <laughs> um, well, my initial instinct is I always want PSG to lose. <laughs> I, just, I don't like them. <laughs> um, but where's who's the statistician on this who can tell me, like, no, we we really want PSG to win because then, you know, like that kind of stuff, I, I you know, not, I don't always think uh, rationally. I think very emotionally when it comes to the outcomes that I want. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, like, I'm going to stand behind, I want PSG to lose just because I don't like them. It's, it's spite. My reason is spite. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, I, I would say a draw. Um, I, I thought I'm not the biggest PSG fan myself either, but I, I couldn't really care less to be honest. Um, I draw so that way the two of them can, um, not take away too far in case we don't get a positive result against you guys. And what, about, what about you, Pete, from a Newcastle perspective? What do you think would work out best for us? I mean, other than a draw, I mean, Anton's absolutely right. You know, a draw would kind of, you know, it stops anyone from get, gaining too many points. But are you resigned to the fact that you think either PSG or AC Milan will qualify? Um, and, you know, would you rather the other team get zero points? Like, how, how, would, how would you see it? I'll be honest with you. I think after after Wednesday, we'll have a better idea how the how the group's going to shape up. Because as as Anton mentioned, he was quite right in what he said. You know, they they could. We don't want it, but they could beat us back to back. And the whole yeah. landscape yeah. of the table it looks very very different. And we're we're then we're looking at it with completely different eyes. So I would say a draw would probably be the best. For us, not knowing our result, I would say off the top of my head, a draw would definitely be the best result for us. And and ultimately, probably the best for, for Dortmund because you don't want you don't want any team kind of running away with it, or you don't want two teams running away with it. You still want to have a little bit of hope with three games to go that there's enough points there for you to be able to claw it back. So I think for, for our perspective, definitely, and then a draw there, a nil-nil draw, a bit like it was when um, when you guys played um, Milan. It was like a nil-nil draw, it was something like that. And then we just slug it out at St James's Park and, and and see what happens. <laughs> see what happens on Wednesday off the back of that. Um, but I, I did have a question um, about Borussia Dortmund because you know, obviously, you've got a few players that that we are aware of. Um, you know, there's there's a few of them. Um, we you got Sebastian Haller, who was at West Ham and didn't do well at West Ham, but he's a very very good striker. And there's a bit of history there with with, with yourselves. Um, there's a few others as um, as well. Um, don't know if you remember. Um, is it is this Slotterbach? Slotterbach, yeah. yeah Slotterbach. Because um, the, I just wanted to make sure I pronounced it right, but. Uh, um, the reason why is because Chris, you'll know, we talked about him not long after the takeover happened as a player that was linked with, with Newcastle United. Obviously, he went to you guys um, not long after that. And as well as that, um, is it Brandt? Um, pronouncing yeah. it right? Um, Julian Brandt. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the one. Um, got it from Leverkusen and is also a, a talented player. Um, and there's Nicholas Scherl as well, whose pitch is not loading up for some re reason. Who was odds on 
um, the force of Ben Botman was linked as, as the guy coming in because he was about to leave um, uh, by Munich. So there's a few players there that have kind of been talked about either way. And to be fair, Sebastian Heller was linked with us before he went to West Ham. So there, there's always been links with certain players that you've got or had at Borussia Dortmund. But who's kind of your um, who's kind of your standout player? Who's the guy? Um, that, that's kind of pulling the strings for Borussia Dortmund this season, in your opinions. Uh, Anton, I'll start with you. Good question. I think probably towards the end of last season, a few players had a bit of form. Um, Adeyemi, Sebastian Allaire, as you spoke about. Um, Julian Brandt as well. Um, Daniel Marlin. But a few of them have kind of started the season maybe not as good. I don't know if it's a bit of a hangover for the last game of the season, kind of lost in the league um, on the last day. But... For me, probably, if I was to pick one player, maybe Brandt, if he can maintain the consistency. Because um, he does some, kind of seem to drift maybe three or, four, three or four games, he'll be good. And then maybe a couple of games, he'll be a bit quieter. So um, maybe him. But um, Nicholas Fulcrude up front, I'm kind of liking him as well. Because I liked him when he played for Werder Bremen. And yeah. also he gets selected for the World Cup and scored a few goals. He's been scoring for Germany. So I think he could be the kind of the guy up front that can do a bit of damage he's kind of powerful as well What about you Sarah who's kind of that player that is your go-to the one that always kind of uh, does the business for Dortmund in your opinion Well I definitely agree with Anton about Fulkrug and Brandt they're both playing really really well right now but I think for me my go-to guy is someone who's never we either have to figure out how to clone him or get some sort of like robotic version of him, or he's never allowed to retire. And that is Hummels. Uh, Hummels is, you know, he's the old man on the team, but he's still amazing and he is reliable and he is one of the most consistent out of the entire squad. He hasn't been perfect. He definitely hasn't been perfect, but he, out of everyone, has been the most consistent and reliable. And he's coming off of, I was personally surprised to see him start our match on Friday, especially since he had just played for the national team, traveled here to the States and back. And so I thought for sure, like, oh, they're going to let the old man like rest. They're not going to start him. But no, he started. And I, I mean, I love to see it. I love him. Like I said, he's never allowed to retire ever. Another, uh, I, I feel I feel bad saying old man because I don't think he is. But there's, there's no, he's another, not really. He's not. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm I'm going to refer to somebody else actually on top of Hummels okay. because uh, Hummels has obviously been around for a while. But what about this man? Mm. Um, you know, still going. Uh, how old is he? Is he just? Is he 31, 32? He might be a bit older. Oh, he's 33? I wasn't too far off. Is he still pulling the strings for you guys, or is he sort of more a squad player now? He's um, he's had a lot of injuries over the years, and um, he is obviously getting towards the end of his career. What, 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 what do you think? So, correction, he's 34 years old. Oh, um, <laughs> I would always... I make the, I have this kind of running joke about Royce. I always say that his bones are made of glass because he's been so injury prone throughout his career. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's really kind of bizarre. I have not been his biggest fan in seasons past recently. And it's almost like once he relinquished or stepped down from being the the captain, he's kind of had this renaissance of, of sorts, and he's been so great this season. And so I like to see him starting. I like to see him 
uh, playing week in and week out. And, uh, you know, he started our, our match again on Friday, and I'm hoping to see him start on Wednesday as well. Interesting. Uh, interesting. But any players from, from what Anton and... Um... Uh, Anton and uh, Sarah have mentioned, Chris, that, that kind of stand out for you from a Dortmund perspective. Do you know what? One player who, who's always stood out for me, and I know I think it was Anton who touched on him very briefly, was uh, Daniel Malin. Um, he, he always worries me because he's, he's electric quick. Um, I really like him. And somebody else in the chat, actually, uh, Pete, brought, brought it back to me from the uh, from the summer um, when we were talking about Mecha. Is it Mecha or Am I pronouncing that right? Probably not. Yeah. Meche. There you go. Yeah, Meche. Yeah. That's my that's my scout accent. That. Um, but yeah, Meche. We were we were linked with him, and we were comparing him against every player we had, weren't we, Pete? Um, so I'd be I'd be interested to watch him. And like, what what were your thoughts on uh, Meche since since he's arrived? Like, has he has he done well for you both? I probably know his, knows but not really played as much, I don't think so. Um I think it's a bit early to kind of make a comment on him. He's been a bit of a kind of and um, getting a few uh, games here and there, but I don't think he's probably too early to say about it. I liked him when he played for Volksburg last season, he was getting a few goals, yeah. so um hopefully he can he can um chip in with a few more again. But um he's still a good age and stuff, so I think he'll um I'm quite happy to sign and I think he can do well, but maybe too early to, to make a comment on him at the minute. He's still a young lad as well, isn't he? Because yeah, we, we did a bit of a, a thought on him and talked about him a little bit. But, um, yeah, he's definitely one um, for for the future, shall we say. Um, what about the, what about your manager? Um, I'm going to get this right, because we talked about it before we went live. Uh, is it Edin Terzik? Is that right? Okay. Got it, got it, got the pronunciation right. Um, but I'll, I'll come to you, Sarah, on uh, Edin Terzic. Like, how you know, uh, how good of a manager is he? What, what, what is his kind of like standout feature in terms of what like he brings to this to this squad of players? I think first and foremost, uh, it's his story is very much a Cinderella story. You know, see, knowing his background and his history, him starting out as a BVB fan, you know, all of us BVB fans, it's like we see part of ourselves in him. And so that really just endears him to all of us and makes us want him to do well and, and be successful. But what we saw at the beginning of the season just kind of showed that, um, you know, just because you love the team doesn't necessarily mean that or doesn't always translate to success. And there were some definite rough patches. And, you know, he is not the most experienced manager. He he has some experience, but when you compare him to, you know, some of the other managers out there, he's his career is still very young. So he has still a lot to learn. And, and yeah, um, he's definitely one that I think we'd all like to see some consistency from as well. You know, where we're not calling into question, you know, why isn't he subbing people out and, you know, things like that. I mean, we all have opinions, right? But um, his have just, you know, his decision decisions have not always made the most sense. So it's 
kind of made every match feel like a struggle, maybe more than it has to be. So I, I think he, the you know, the potential is there. That's me trying to be optimistic. The potential is there, uh, but we'll just have to see over the next, you know, few Champions League matches if he really has what it takes. If he can really learn from each of his experiences and build on that. Anything to add on that with regards to um, Terzic? Yeah, but I agree with most. I agree with most of that. Um, I just think dropping and changing managers um, for a club of Dortmund isn't going to be good. So I think um, that's why they put him in and gave him a chance, stuck by him. Um, I mean, had they won the league last season, then they would have been a genius. They'd have been here for another five years probably. Um, when Klopp first came into Dortmund as well, he took him a bit of time. So you have to give the guy you know, a better chance, I think, for a couple of seasons at least. Um, but he's a Dortmund fan as well so he, he kind of knows what the club's about so I think the fans will dig him because of that as well Interesting um, uh, This is, a, this is a, a question or an opinion that I'm going to throw you away that uh, I think Chris might have um, uh, an opinion on as well and it's two players um, no longer at your club I want you to get your opinions on how they're doing first of all Jaden Sancho um, left you guys and had sort of the world at his feet, but not really hit the ground running at Man United and is currently banished um, from all first team uh, involvement. And he can't even eat in the first team kitchen. That's how bad he's been banished at the moment. But what, what, do, what do you make? Um, I'll, ask, I'll ask this one to you, Anton. What do you make of the situation with Jaden Sancho? It's a bit sad, obviously, because he was a big uh, fan's favourite and we kind of loved him at Dortmund. It was amazing, like, the skills and the goals we chipping and the assists. And, um, and definitely a real hero. And we get a, a, it would be good if he stayed, obviously, but the Dortmund model is kind of get young players, build them up and sell them for huge fees. Um, but the situation at Man United for me is a bit, a bit sad. I don't know, I don't think anybody, any of us know the real ins and outs of it, but it looks like Ten Hag speaking out about him. Um, in the opening the media and stuff like that isn't the best idea because nowadays we speak about players' mental health and stuff. Um, so I think banishing them to like <laughs> no in the kitchen and stuff like that is a bit kind of it's a bit much. Um, but to be honest, it looks like he's not going to be at Man United much longer. Um, there was rumours he's coming back to Dortmund on loan in January or something. But um, if he's going to be the same player, I'm not, I'm not sure of that. This is where I'll um, divert to Chris on this one because, um, you know, we haven't really talked about it because it's not a Newcastle-related topic uh, as mm. such. But, you know, what do you make of this Jaden Sancho situation? And, and what Anton just said is what I was going to ask you. Would you take him in January at Newcastle United? Just throw it out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, actually, Pete. I mean, in terms of the situation, I think it's I think it's quite odd, and I think it's quite sad as well, actually, because uh, as Anton said, like you know, Jaden Sancho at British Dortmund, he was like one of the most exciting prospects in European football, wasn't he? You know, he was he was you know, the Sky Sports in in England was all over Jaden Sancho. It was like, look what Jaden Sancho has done in Germany. Look what he's doing here. Look what he's doing there. And then he he gets his big move to Manchester United, and then um, it was a slow start. But I kind of feel sorry for him because I just wonder whether there's off-field issues because he just doesn't look the same player. Um, not just not you know physically, but also mentally. It just looks like he's he's got a few challenges at the moment. Obviously, I don't know that for fact. It's just me, you know, taking my opinion from the outside looking in. 
Um, but there's definitely a player there. And for me, I think with the with the right coaching, with the right support, um, I, I I don't see why he couldn't he couldn't get back to those levels. So you know, I agree with Anton. I think um, I think any club who get him on loan, I'd say, I'd take him on loan. I don't know if I'd want him permanently, um, but I'd certainly take him on loan. Um, and you know, see see if you know he could be turned around because I do I do actually feel sorry for him now. You know, with all the stories coming out, um, it does sound a little bit. If I'm being honest, it does sound like a little bit petty. Um, and not forgetting, he's a young lad. So maybe maybe I'm feeling this way, Pete, because we've been watching the David Beckham uh, documentary. We had it on earlier. And yeah. um, sometimes young lads just need a little, you know, an arm around the shoulder, <laughs> a little bit of support. And I just get the impression that Jaden Sancho's been made a bit of a scapegoat because. Things aren't going well for Man United at the moment, and I think it's very easy to point the finger. And it feels to me like that's what they're doing with uh, Jaden Sancho. So I, I, if you if you were to offer me in January uh, on a loan deal, I'd definitely take him. Um, whether or not we sign him permanently would be how he performed for the rest of the season. Interesting, uh, very very interesting. Uh, Sarah, anything to add with regards to Jaden Sancho before I come to you with the other player that we're going to talk about very quickly? No, I think Chris and Anton have, have really covered everything. I mean, one thing I do want to remark on about him is that uh, Sancho, he did not burn any bridges when he left. He you know, remained a BBB supporter just from what I, I saw of his activity on social media. And that I very much appreciate. So if he were to come back to Dortmund, then I, I think many of us would would welcome him back with with open arms. So I hope thing I did not I wasn't aware that things had gotten quite so bad for him there, but uh, I hope things turn around for him. I think it's got to the point where I read a report uh, that was saying that there's a few there's a few players at Manchester United that are actually telling Sancho to apologise because I think this is the key because of what he came back with after Eric Ten Hag had his say, he then put his piece out or, um, you know, on social media and he's not apologised for it. And I think that's why Eric Ten Hag has just kind of excluded him from the squad. He wants an apology. Sancho's not willing to give one. I think the players are just saying, to stay sorry, then you can get back into the team and start playing again. But um, I think it's a level of pride. I understand from both sides of the coin, more so to Sancho's, actually, I've got to be honest, of why he did that. I understand why he responded the way he did, because I think how the manager dealt with it, I think, was quite poor. Um, uh, but that's, like I say, that's just that's just my opinion. But, yeah, uh, it could well be we're having this conversation again come January, because both teams have been linked with him, you, you guys more than us. But um, there's no doubt that he would he would get back to some sort of his best if he if he came back to you guys um, and played regular football, that's for sure. And that would only help England. Um, so from an England point of view, he isn't really getting a sniff, but he's he's proven to be a really kind of talented, talented player. Um, and the second person, I'll come to you on this area, is because he is making moves right now, waves, in fact, and it's this man, um, Jude Bellingham. Um how good is this guy? You know, how good was he at Borussia Dortmund? And you know, I imagine, I assume that you've been watching some or seeing some bits of what he's been doing at Real Madrid. Like, how good can he be? Obviously, we all know he's very, very talented, and he's still also very young. He is very, very young, and so his 
um, etiquette or professionalism rather is an area where um, I, you know, where I feel he could use some coaching, not his plane, his plane is fine. And, and yes, you know, he is making waves and living up to the expectations that people had for him, which is great. Um, you know, but I, you know, kind of referring back to my earlier comment about spite and burning bridges, <laughs> and, you know, he, Bellingham made a comment on social media just about how the atmosphere, uh, you know, where he's playing now was unlike anything he'd ever experienced before. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm just calling, am I allowed to curse here? I'm calling bullshit on that. <laughs> <laughs> We've said a lot worse, don't worry. <laughs> I'm just, you know, you know, that's how I feel about it, you know, but it's just like, you know, whatever, <laughs> he has to win over his new fan base, but, Okay, maybe that shouldn't really diminish what what he's doing for his team now, which is good. And, you know, it brings awareness to our club, too. But it does. I, don't know, I feel like there is a good number of BBB fans where we feel like we are just kind of like a training ground for these players who then go off to do these big, incredible things. And it would be nice for us to have some retention. So, you know, I wish him all the best, you know, glad he's doing great, but you know, he's, he's moved on. I'm, I'm moving on too. So. Ah, okay. Well, that's bad, bad play. Chris and, uh, and Anton as well. Jude Bellingham. Uh, Anton, I'll come to you first. You know, are you, um, it's kind of, it was quite a firm response with regards to Jude Bellingham that, Sarah, I've got to be honest. Are, are you as firm in that response that have you just moved on from him or are you, are you still Big and bad. I'm like a massive, massive fan of Bellingham. Um, <laughs> I watched him live again at um, Scotland and England game um, a couple of weeks back there at Hampton and uh, just amazing just, just watching him um, running the show, even if it was against our team. Um, well, but I, I think in the media now, so he's Real Madrid, so he's a world-class player, he's doing brilliant. Um, we've, we've been seeing this for the last couple of seasons playing for Borussia Dortmund. Um, he's been excellent. Um He'll definitely be one of the best players in the world for many years to come, I think. Yeah. And good luck to him. I, I don't mind. I think if he played in the last game, he was actually injured for the last game of the season against Mainz when Dortmund lost the league. Um, if he plays, I think Dortmund won the league because he was dragging the team way forward and he was getting goals in that as well. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Chris, he's, he's the... He, Anton said it, he's world-class, isn't he? He's world-class and... And you got to see him live and in person because you were there against Italy. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I was smiling. I was smiling when Anton said that because yeah, Anton, I felt exactly the same. Like I, I was at Wembley for the England Italy game, um, and just watching him live is just ridiculous. He's just absolutely. You don't realize how how good someone is until you see them live. And um, up to now. Um, he's probably been one of my favourite players that I've seen play football live because he, he was that good. And it's it's crazy to think that he's still only 20 years old. And, you know, he looks he looks like he's been playing for like 10, 15 years. He looks like a veteran. Um, not in terms of his pace and stuff like that, because obviously he's got that in abundance. But, you know, he uh, is so mature on the ball. 
and he always seems to make the correct decision and he's always forward thinking and you know he just seems like he's all over the pitch but yeah what 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 a talent what a player um so i bet it was um i bet i bet it, it really stuck the knife in when when he left um because I, I can't imagine you know having hold of someone that good um and then them leaving but on the other hand you know um it was it was a great deal for for Dortmund and that that's one thing i know we haven't touched on it but that's one thing that i think most people in world football are envious of the way Dortmund do transfers because, like, even with um, you know Erling Haaland, the way the, the way that you bring players on, develop them, and then you know they go, but you get a fantastic fee for them. Um, so Dortmund's Dortmund's transfer policy is absolutely superb. It is. Um, he's a super talent, uh, and you're right, Chris. It is the decision making and um, the maturity levels of him. The way he plays, he plays like he's in his late twenties. And um, just yeah. the little things that he did, like just where he just calms down the fans and the players around him. And he, he won the penalty against Italy and he's doing the, you know, take a breath, like calm down. Because there was a little bit of, you know, worry in the stadium before that penalty that Italy were on top. And he just kind of, he's got that maturity level about him. And he's only 20. He's only going to get better. I think he's stature, big physical player, but can get around the pitch. Like he... We we in this country we hold Gerard and Lampard in high regard of what they did as centre midfielders, but he has the ability to surpass them one hundred and ten percent, and he's at the right club to do that. Um, mm. And I love about the fact that he's twenty years old and he's not just doing it anywhere in the Premier League; he's doing it in Spain. So he's gone abroad, and this was a conversation I had with my wife watching the Beckham documentary because we were watching it, and you know looking at some of the issues they had moving to Spain and all the rest of it. And I said, you know, you've got a 20 year old that's doing that, that some of the older, more experienced players were, weren't able to do and really struggled with. He's already done it by going to Germany and going to Spain. Like yeah. we don't see it enough from English players. We're lucky enough to have someone in Kieran Trippier that's done something similar. And, and, and he was successful doing that as well. And it's, uh, we don't see enough of it. Yes, the Premier League's arguably the best league in the world, but it shouldn't stop English players going and turning their craft abroad. This is why I've got so much respect for Jude Bellingham um, and, and in particular Sancho. Um, I just kind of wish he'd not come back. I think I think on that note as well, I think Jude Bellingham's mum stays with him as well. So maybe that's why he's set in these places so well. <laughs> Yeah, well looked after, well looked after, well fed, um, prepared. Um, but but no, yeah, maybe that's the thing. Obviously, Beckham had a family and, and two children at the time to kind of worry about, and it, that that can be an additional strain too. But I, I do admire players that want to go abroad um, and really hone their craft. Um, I, I just find they're better players for it. We see so many foreign players come to England in a similar situation. It makes them a better player off the back of that and we need to i think do more but um yeah uh, great opinions there all round with regards to that and um, we've got some great questions in that we'll come to um shortly but um i think we'll start looking at the game now and we'll let's look at a few stats she say i'm mr roll smooth just like a silk soft and cuddly hug me up like a quilt i'm a statistical lover no take me fee no filth with my sexual physique Y'all know me well, built oh me, oh my, well, well, 
Can't you tell I'm just like a turtle crawling out of my shell gal? You captivate my body, put me under a spell with your sit on the fence perfume I love your sweet smell you're the only young girl who can ring my bell and I can't take rejection So you tell me go to hell I'm statastic, tell me doomtastic touch me in me back She say I'm Mr. Romantic call me statastic she touch me in my back She says I'm Dr. <laughs> Mr. Lover Lover is in the house. Uh, like magic, he appears. Our stat man, our double O stat, stato, Mr. Dr. Doom for his uh, normally bad predictions, but they're on point at the moment. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I've got them right. You are. You're <laughs> but Keith, you're in the house. Keith Roberts, pleasure to have you as always. Um, welcome to another episode of the Away Days Champions League special. What, what stats have you got for us this week, mate? Got a load of stats here. Um, I've got um, particularly about Borussia Dortmund's history in European competition. I've got some stats there. Got some stats on their honours. Got some stats on the record against English teams. Newcastle's record against German teams as well in Europe. Um, managers and goalkeepers and some of the players for Borussia Dortmund and some general stats to round off. So Borussia Dortmund's record in UEFA competition is as follows. They've played 284 games, uh, they've won 139, they've drawn 56 and they've lost 89. Their list of European honours is as follows. Um, 1965, 1966 Cup winners, Cup winners. Um, 1996, 1997, Champions League winners when they beat peak Juventus 3-1 in the final. Uh, they will also been 1993 you, um, and 2002 UEFA Cup finalists and two, 2013 Champions League finalists when they lost to Bayern Munich 2-1 narrowly at Wembley. Um, Borussia Dortmund's record against English teams in a European competition. They've played 33 games. They've won 12, drawn 6 and lost 15. Whereas Newcastle are unbelievably unbeaten against German teams in European competition. Uh, their record, they've played 5 games. They've won 4 and they've drawn 1. Not lost any. Um, some memorable games there as well for Newcastle over the years against 1860 Munich in the in a total cup by Leverkusen in the Champions League. Two wins we had there and Eintracht Frankfurt, Kevin Keegan's old team. Um, managers' stats, uh, mainly specifically about Edin Terzic because um, Eddie Howe. He's had two games in Europe, we know this, and he's undefeated in both. Edin Terzic, um, it's his third season managing a team in European competition. Um, all three have been in the Champions League. Um, he's managed 14 games. He's won four, drawn five, and lost five games. Um, as a manager, he's also won the domestic cup in Germany as well uh, with Borussia Dortmund, the DFB Pokal cup back in the 2020-2021 season. Moving on to the goalkeepers, Gregor Corbell, uh, he's kept 
three clean sheets in 10 games so far for Borussia Dortmund. In total, he's kept a total of 25 clean sheets in 76 games for Borussia Dortmund. Really good record there. Um, Nick Pope, he's kept 63 clean sheets in 186 Premier League games in total. And both Gregor Corbell and Nick Pope have one clean sheet so far this season in the Champions League. Moving on to some outfield players. Um, top goal scorers from Borussia Dortmund um, this season are um, Daniel Malen with four goals in 10 games. And Marco Roos and Julian Brandt have three goals each. Um, and A little bit closer look at their records in Europe as well. Daniel Malen, he's scored 18 goals in 42 games in European competition for PSV Eindhoven and also Borussia Dortmund. And Marco Roos, he's scored 31 goals in 79 games in European competition for Borussia Dortmund. And a record, I believe, goes all the way back to 2012. Um, moving on to Newcastle players, Kieran Trippier now has seven assisted goals so far this season, which is an unbelievable record for um, a fullback. Um, some general stats just to finish off with. Um, Borussia Dortmund are undefeated in German domestic football this season. In total, they have won seven games and they have drawn two games in Germany this season. Their 1-0 win against Werder Bremen on Friday night took them temporarily to the top of the Bundesliga. And uh, Borussia Dortmund were also undefeated in seven pre-season games. Six wins, one draw including wins against Ajax, Man United and a draw against Chelsea in those pre-season games. And Borussia Dortmund as well, their undefeated domestic form goes back to April 2023 when they lost 2-0 to RP Leipzig in the quarterfinals of the DFB Pokal Cup in early April 2023. So in total, their unbeaten run is an impressive um 12 wins and four draws from 16 domestic games. Newcastle, they themselves are on a good run at the moment. They're, they have won five successive home games in a row at St. James's since losing to Liverpool in extra time in August. Um, and since losing 3-1 away to Brighton at the beginning of September, Newcastle have now gone unbeaten in eight games in all competitions winning six and drawn two games. They've scored 22 goals and they've conceded just three in this run of games. And that rounds off the stats there. Great stats as always, Keith. Thank you. Absolutely spot on, mate. Um, some, yeah, some great great stats from a from a Dortmund point of view as well. So hopefully <laughs> yourself, Sarah and Anton, um, you were able to appreciate some of the that's it is throwing out there. But interestingly, we've got some we've got a decent unbeaten record from, from both ends of the, the coin. So that will be really, really interesting to see how that unfolds for sure. But um I just wanted to throw out there a couple of um super chats. I've not got I've not got the Zelda music, so I'm just gonna put them <laughs> up anyway. Um but Tampa Toon, great to see you, not seen you for a while on the chat. Great to have you back. Um, how are you, the lads? Uh Lay and going back to the start, so he's gone back the start and he's put another super chat in he's got good afternoon to received no, good old one but, you know. yeah why not 
Um, good afternoon, Anton and Sarah, my neighbour across the one four corridor. I think you would know what that means. I yes, <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> good stuff. Um, Tom a great supporter of the channel, always on. Support. And it's great to have uh, AB in there as well. I um from the from the symbol uh, Dortmund fan um in in the chat. So it's great to have a Dortmund fan in there as well. Um and this kind of moves us on nicely really because AB's put Rainer needs to start against Newcastle. He was quality when he came on on Friday, and it was one player that we didn't really talk about, but another young player that's got lots and lots of promise. Um, um, obviously, his, his dad played at Man City. Um, that's why I remember because I'm, I'm old um, and I remember <laughs> him playing at Man City. But uh, but yeah, um, you know how, how good is how good is Rainer? I think he's great. <laughs> He is. Um, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you think he's got the potential to kind of, you know, be that next big star coming out of uh, out of Dortmund potentially? I I definitely think so. He has, you know, he's definitely shown signs of that, and he's one of the players that I follow too when he plays for the U.S. men's national team. And his recent call up, he just he did really really well. So I, as long as he gets some consistent playing time, then you know it all comes back to potential. I think I think he can do it. I think he has what it takes. He just needs that chance. You agree with that, Anton? Yeah, definitely. Um, injuries as well. He's been injured a few times. A few bad injuries. He seemed to come back for a few games and then get injured again, out for a few months. He's not a lot of a good luck for injuries, but he's still young. Get plenty of potential, but. Um, I don't think he'll start the game, uh, but he'll definitely come on at some point. Excellent. Right. What we're going to do now is go to the lineups. So, as you can see on the screen, you'll see um, we've got the lineup here. Um, just really quickly, I would like you. Um, so, Anton, if you want to give your lineup, and then we can get uh, Sarah to critique the lineup that you suggest, and we'll do the same the other side, Chris, uh, 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 with Chris. And Keith, so from a Dortmund perspective, how do you think potentially they're, they're going to line up? So uh, who's your goalkeeper? And we'll work. Yeah, well, Cobalt Co Co and goals. Sorry. So, uh, yep. Yeah, um, Cobalt yeah, in goal. Hold on one, one second. One second. I'm not happy about this. <laughs> I'm not happy about this. Let me change it. Need to make sure it's appearing properly on the screen. No, because I can't see. The colours. Let's see if I can change it. One second. There we go. There you go. Um, right. Uh, who? What's your back four look? Is it back four, back three? What, what, yeah, probably it? four. Uh, four. I reckon. Um, right back will be Ryerson. Um, possibly left back Benzi Bayini, I think maybe. Um, oh, number five. Number five. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah, you know what? I'm, it's oh, it's done it for the um, it's messed it up. Hopefield. messed it up. The goalkeeper was fine for the players, and not there. We go. I, I live with that. Yes, uh, sent back. Yeah, well, who was in Schlotterbeck? 
left hand side and Hummels. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we go. And midfield. That's the Emery Chan will definitely start being captain as well. Um and I am gonna go uh Metro. Oh, okay. Uh, will they play alongside each other? Um I, I think Metro might push on a bit more. Okay. So just sort of in front then, a little bit like that. <laughs> um and then uh, who else in your midfield? Sorry? Who, who else in your midfield are you going for? Shields. I reckon Marco Royce will start. Okay. Um, centre, right, left? Probably on the left. Okay. And on the right? Daniel Marlon. Okay. Um, and then who finishes off your team? Well, up front will be um, Nicholas Fulkrug, I reckon. Uh, Julian Brandt, behind. Okay. Something alongside that, then? Is that is that what you're saying? I think maybe maybe Marius will maybe start at a fullback as well, but I think that's going to be the team. Okay. Um, Wolf maybe at fullback? Maybe. Okay. Uh, we'll, leave it, we'll leave it like that at the moment. Uh, would you change anything, Sarah? <clears throat> that was almost identical to what I predicted. Um, but I'm... Okay, now what I would really like to see, because looking at our lineups from our past two Champions League matches, that didn't work. So I feel like we need to do something different here. And even though this may not and probably will not happen, I don't care. This is what I want to see happen. So <laughs> I'm manifesting <laughs> this. I am going to um, put uh, Chan 23, put him on the bench as a sub, even though, I mean, I love him, but he's got to go. Okay. And then I would like to see Reyna in the midfield. Okay. Just so I would put it, what I'm what I'm predicting would be Royce, Mecha, and Reyna in the midfield, and maybe okay. Brant in the midfield too. Yeah. And I had Malin and Fulcrew more up front. What more together? So mm -hmm. looking, is it a, a little more a little bit like this? Yes. Right, yeah. Okay. That's go. what I would like to see. Okay. Interesting. Um, interesting. So, what do you think, Anton? Will we go with that, or are you go back to your your original? Well, we need somebody tough and centre mid. So, Emery Chan the must start for me. Okay. Although, he's prone to getting booked and giving penalties away. <laughs> AB AB's gone. That's a very AB said in the chat. It's a very attacking team. No number six. So, you, Sarah, you, it looks like you've gone all out. You're going for the win. Uh, we're all out with that, but um, let, let's let, let's let's go with the original. Cause I'm, I'm kind of hoping Rain is not going to play. I'm not going to lie, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep it as we had originally. Um, but no, that's 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 good to know because if the if the lineups come, Chris, we normally talk about this, don't we? Uh, yeah, we do. So it's out. But uh, uh, from a Newcastle perspective, Chris, talk me through your lineup. 
you know what? I, th- I was thinking about this earlier, and I actually think this is probably going to be one of the easier ones to predict this week. I mean, Keith may Keith may tear it apart when I put it up, but um, I think it'll be Nick Pope in goal. Excellent. Uh, I think it'll be the back four that we all expect, um, which will be Dan Byrne at left-back, um, Fabian Shah at left-centre-back, Jamal Lascelles yeah. at right-centre-back, yeah. and Kevin Trippier at right-back. Good old trips. Good old trips, there he is. Good old trips. Um, I think the midfield three will be the same as it was against Palace, so I think it'll be Sean Longstaff on the right, of the midfield three in the centre, yeah. and then I think it will be Bruno Holden, Bruno Gomeres, and um, Joe Linton in the left of the three. Joe, and then up front, I think it will be Anthony Gordon on the left. Anthony Gordon, yeah. I think it. it will be Alexander Isak through the middle. Alexander Isak and Miggy Almiron on the right. Miggy. Maybe. All right. That's that's the that's the yeah. I think that's what our formation will be. In my opinion. Um, Keith, critique or agree? What 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 you're saying with Chris's team that he's put out? Yeah. Um, sort of semi-agree with most of that for sure. Yeah. Um, I think what we've seen with Eddie Howe in the European competitions and the Premier League, there seems to be a synergy between. Whoever comes on for the substitutes is generally more or less going to be starting in the key substitute areas. So, Almiron, um, he came on yesterday. Murphy played a brilliant game yesterday, man of the match mm. performance. Um, yeah. But Eddie's, Almiron's probably going to likely get the nod in Europe uh, because he came on as a sub. He's going to have the fresher legs, isn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah, and Isaac as well, for sure. Um, though, Brilliant for Wilson getting the goal yesterday, but I think it'll be Isaac with the rotation again coming into play. I think Isaac will come in and he'll be wanting to um, put on the performance of his life against his former club, Borussia Dortmund, who he played with five, six years ago. So, yeah, I think Gordon as well, one of the performers of this season, one of the star performers, he's going to be in there. Just a question on sort of the back four. How far are we off uh, getting uh, Botman back in the side? Is he... Has there been any word when he's going to be back in? Two weeks, two weeks. Um, two weeks, yeah. Eddie Howe said, now, look, what we know, and, and Anton and Sarah won't know, but Eddie Howe tends to lie a lot about his injuries. <laughs> he, he'll yeah. say, oh, yeah, he, he'll be back in a day, and that means that he's not going to be back for six weeks. He'll say, oh, he's not back for another two, three weeks, and then you'll probably see him in the next game. But so you don't talking. know. Sorry. Sorry, Pete, talking about that as well, and only because we were talking about the press conference earlier today, weren't we? Um, Did you notice when he was asked about Sven Botman and he gave like the shortest answer other than no, which he answered to a few people, he said something like, oh, is Botman back? And he was like, no, I don't think so. And he just left it at that. So you might might be onto something there, Keith. He might be saving Sven Botman and all of a sudden he appears um, because he didn't look wholly convinced well he didn't look wholly convincing on that Sven Botman was completely out of the question he just kind of went no no he no I don't think he'll make it and then you know obviously rumors come out about the two weeks no he actually said it to reporters after the after the um game oh did he after the after the match yeah yeah but but it still doesn't mean anything that's the thing it still doesn't mean anything 
because we know what it's like. But I, I, I agree with Chris. I think that that'll be a back four. I think that's your strongest. Think, that's your strongest lineup. Yeah. Lineup. If yeah. you haven't got Botman available, that's your strongest lineup. Yeah. And 100%. you don't change. You don't. You don't change a, a settled back four. And and we know what that front three, for example, did against PSG. So we know that front three works. We yeah. know that that midfield works because we've seen him do it last season, this season. Like it, the only question mark I have is, and we talked about it on the review show yesterday, is that Joe Linton didn't have the best game against Palace. Um, so we're hoping that he's going to have a better game. And, and I just think, from my point of view, I'm going to get the old squiggly line out. I think the this area is key. <coughs> We talked about this area is key from an attacking point of view, but from a defensive point of view, he is going to be key in this space here. Okay, the the, the area that he does defensively to stop Brent in that area, making those runs and Marlon going at Dan Byrne, we need that cover here. That is so, so important. Um, and, and for me, um, Joe Linton, we need to see here uh, long parts of the game. And just protecting Dan Byrne in that little area there. If he can do that and, and, and put a stop to any of their, their forward movements, I think we're, we've, we've got a really good chance of doing things the, the opposite way. But um, they're just my opinions on that. Uh, boys, uh, before I, I, I ask Anton and um, Sarah for their opinions, any, anywhere else you think is an area we can win the game? And you know what? I, th- I think based on Sean Longstaff's uh, performance uh, against Palace, it, it, he, he's got a key part to play for me because he's he he will hopefully be pushing forwards and really you know linking up well with Miggy Almiron. Um, if it is Alexander Isak who starts, he'll be dropping deep into those pockets as we know he likes to do. I know predominantly he tends to drop towards the left, but perhaps he you know he may sway over to the right, and then obviously by dragging the players out towards the right, that gives, then gives Bruno Gomes opportunity to bomb forward through the middle as well i can't i can't underestimate how key joe linton's going to be for this game i mean i, I must admit i was i was wondering whether keith or yourself pete um you know especially after what keith said about the substitutions whether either of you thought that maybe tonali might start ahead of joe linton honestly um i think we're probably going to hear tomorrow of his ban, maybe tuesday latest um i don't think he's going to play in the champions league i think he'll his ban yeah. will be in place by then which is why, otherwise, I'd have started him. I'd have had him yeah. playing because he's played yeah. in all the other Champions League games. They, they, they don't mess about, do they? Really, uh, the Italians in Syria, no. with, you know, their sort of FA, they seem to come to swift resolutions. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. there was some. It felt, there was something about yesterday which felt final, really. Mm-hmm. You know, that with Tenali, mm-hmm. sort of the way he addressed the crowd and that, it just felt yeah. a little bit final. So I don't think. I think there'll be a swift resolution if not if not tomorrow, then on the Tuesday. And I think, you know, it'll not even be a consideration on uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, definitely. But you the point you mentioned about before I come to Anton and um and Sarah, um, this here is what absolutely destroyed Crystal Palace on Saturday. Trippier taking up spaces here. Um Murphy coming out here, but we've got Amir on in this position. Um and what we then saw is Longstaff exploiting this space. The amount yeah. of times that a, just a simple pass from either Trippier um, or or Murphy at the time in here or in here, and he was just making that run into that space 
and it wasn't getting picked up. If it doesn't get picked up again, he will destroy teams. He scored in the same way against PSG. Yeah, he did. You know, in the last Champions League game, because he picks up those little pockets of space and nobody tracks him. So that's something that, you know, if you've got him, uh, Mecca um, or or Emery Chan, they're going to have to, whoever plays on this side, follow that run because he will make that run. Um, even if we lose the ball and we're on, and you guys are on the attack going this way, here, you know, Trippier will come back in, the cells will come across, Gamera's will come across here to block it off, and Joe Linton will just shift across. So he will know he's protected, but he will make that run there. And I just think that run is what killed Crystal Palace um, on Saturday. I think that run's so important um, because it opens up so much space for everyone else in the team. Um, but uh, Anton, um, Sarah, where, where do you think you guys are going to win the game? Like, where, where are your key players going to flourish? Just, just what you mentioned, I think that the fullbacks for Dortmund will push up quite far, um, and the liable caught in the counter attack and the way you guys are attacking at the minute, um, keep it tight at the back. I think it's key for Dortmund and just maybe sneak a goal. Um, we like the quality and the attacking areas. Yeah. Um, but the Dortmund defence has always been a bit questionable over the last few years. But um, uh, so for us, I think that the defence has to be like quite tight. Is there a potential? Is is there a side of the pitch you play a lot of your football down, the left or the right? No, I, I think I, I can't really. I don't know the stats and stuff like that. But I think I would say the right hand side and um, try to use Marlon's pace. Yeah. Um, but Hummels is the quickest, so he's quick. He's very good at reading the game, but he can be caught out pace-wise if he's kind of isolated, which has happened a few times in the last few seasons. What about Schlotterback? Is he is he quick? He, he'll be quick. He can read the game quick mm-hmm. as well, and he's he's good at getting last-ditch tackles. And it's it's mainly just leaving um, the gaps, as you said, if the Newcastle forwards can exploit that space when they push up. And catch on the counter attack. I think that's probably where the game might be won. A few guys were to take it. Sarah, you were nodding. Are you in agreement with with that one? Yeah, and Ryerson is definitely one to watch because he shows a lot of aggression, um, offense, offensive aggression, especially in the recent matches. So. I'm really curious to see what his approach is in the, in the match for sure. Um, because if he, I feel like he, he scored, he scored some goals. So now he's kind of, I don't know, I don't know if he's like fixating on that or whatnot, but he can't forget his role as a defender. So I um, hope to see him just be mindful of that. Um, but, but yeah, I definitely agree with what Anton was saying for sure. Excellent. So it's going to be interesting to see how these things uh, unfold. Uh, was someone going uh, to mention something before we, we wrap it up? No. No. Uh, be interesting to see how it all breaks down and those opinions on certain people, whether it's Tonali, whether it's Rayner, whether it's other players, um, it always brings in um, an interesting conversation uh, when we talk lineups and, and, and tactics. So just before we go to predictions, uh, any key questions for Anton and, and, and Sarah, Chris? Yeah, so we've got a few questions in here. Um, this one's from Craig Lee. So I'll go to Anton, I'll go to you first, mate. So uh, Craig Lee says, have either of the Dortmund fans watched much of Newcastle this season? If so, what do you think? 
Yeah, uh, just up the Liverpool game. When they should have won against Liverpool. Um, I've seen bits of that. Um, apart from that, the odd highlights here and there against uh, the weekend I watched that they look quite good going forward to the PSG game. Um, so they look good in attack, definitely. Um, but well, that's it'll be a good night, I think. Uh, yeah. Overall, but I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, Sarah, have you seen much of Newcastle this season? I have not seen. I've not seen much. No, um, but really, just really impressive impressive impressions for, of what i've seen on social media and just what the team is doing right now and you know i'm really really excited to see dortmund face off against newcastle and i'm hoping for an equally exciting match for for both teams very very diplomatic answer there Sarah. i was I like just going to say like <laughs> <laughs> um David Tofield asks, and again, it'd be good to get you both your opinions on this. Um, your attack looks pretty quick, but your defence looks slow. Is that accurate? Um, I mean, we'll go back to Hummels, I guess. I mean, he he is, as we've already talked about, uh, older. So, yeah, his pace maybe isn't the same as, you know, some young kid. But... Um, you know, he makes up for that in other ways just by, you know, being really smart and all of the experience that he has. But the pace can definitely work against us sometimes, uh, for sure. Would you agree with that, Anton? Yeah, just what I touched on earlier on there, I think um, if he's isolated, Hummels can be caught. But he's yeah. excellent leader of the game. Um, and sometimes that doesn't get noticed as much, I don't think. Um, he can steal a few yards if he's been beat. A few yards he can steal it. With his mind, because uh, yeah. he knows what the player's got to do, so he's really good at that. As I said, if isolated, then there's always a chance for Newcastle. Are we gonna Are we gonna see your fullbacks really attack, or do you have one that predominantly goes forward? Like for us, we we tend to see Kevin Trippier go forward furthest. Um, or do do both of your wing uh, fullbacks really push on? I would say both as well, and if if Mario's full plays as well, he likes to get forward a lot. Um, mm -hmm. They really need to put a shift in. Um, you definitely see maybe one of the fullbacks getting changed over as well. So mm. if um, Benzi Bayini's playing, um, he he can chip in in the attack as well. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll definitely push up, I reckon. Yeah. And then the final question, which is a nice question to you both. Um, so Dunhill says, evening Pete and Chris, evening mate, um, and evening to our guests. Question for you though, what is your favourite Dortmund moment? So I'll go to, I'll go to you first, Sarah. Good question. I think hands down my favorite Dortmund moment um, just has to be when I went to a match in Dortmund this past March and I, you know, got to, I was, so the picture behind me is the, um, the match where I was, but this was, this was a screenshot my mother took of, you know, while she was watching the game. And so I was sitting, I was sitting, um, trying to do my fingers right. I was sitting like right in this area. So it was in the yellow wall in the thick of it, and yeah, I think right now that is on record my my favorite Dortmund moment. <laughs> Love it. Love it. What about you, Anton? Uh, one in the double, um, 2011-12. Um, first time Dortmund's won the domestic double and and beat Bayern Munich five two in the, the cup final as well. So that's that's it for me. Yeah, can't can't really top that, can you? <laughs> there you go, and and hopefully. Um, 
So you'll get to experience that maybe this season. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> I think that was that was before your time, wasn't it? In 2014, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So the, my, my first season as a Dortmund fan was um, one of our worst seasons in recent history. I was like, oh, I, I sure picked a heck of a time to become a Dortmund fan. But yeah, <laughs> I would love to experience winning the title. <laughs> yeah. He's in agreement with uh, Anton. Yeah. 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 Is that it for questions? That's it for questions, mate. Yeah. That is so, all the questions. Uh, so now we'll start to wrap up the show, and we only do that by predictions. So, first of all, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go first. Cool. We normally go kind of like we'll work our way around the table, and then we'll always end with uh, Dr. Doom here with his prediction to wrap <laughs> up the show. But uh, I'm going to go 2 1 to Newcastle. Um, home advantage, I think, will make the difference. I think Dorman will score. Um, I think it'll be a lot tighter game to PSG, um, but still an entertaining one. Um, so, yeah, two one for me, uh, Chris. Uh, what, what are you going for, mate? Do you know what? I was tempted by two one, and then I changed my mind last minute. So I'm going to go for Newcastle two nil. I think we'll win two nil. Uh, I think it. Well, Sarah will be pleased to hear this. I think it'll be a very entertaining game, um, and I think I think Dortmund will give it a real good go. But I think in the end, I think I think we might we might just uh, get over the line. So I'm I'm going to predict two nil. That's my prediction. Okay, Anton, uh, Dortmund representative okay. number one. What are we going for? Um, I reckon we bring Newcastle back down to Alphabet um, and two one Dortmund. <laughs> two one Dortmund. Reverse, reverse. No, fair, fair play. Uh, and Sarah, uh, what are you going for on the day? Oh, gosh. Okay, predictions are not my favorite thing at all. So originally I was thinking 2-1 Dortmund, but now, um, I don't know. I feel like we're going to give each other a run for our money. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 tie. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> um, with that in mind, it's nice to go on to double-O Stato. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Doom, what is your prediction this week? Are you going to predict yeah. a winner for us? Well, I think um, what you can't, we can't discard is uh, Borussia Dortmund's impressive domestic form, undefeated domestically this season, going back to April. I think the PSG in the opener, defeating the opening game, again, we can't read too much into that too much. I mean, one of the goals was a penalty from Mbappe and then a quick fire, second goal early in the second half, the first quarter of the second half. Can't read too much in it, and it'll only defeat there to PSG. So I think it's going to be quite an evenly matched game um, for sure. Um, and I've got a—I am very nervous about this one. If you remember back in '97, '98, Newcastle got that brilliant win against Barcelona, and then a game or two later, the first game back, they lost to PSV. Um, at home at St. James's. So mm -hmm. it's important not to get too overhead. That was brilliant, uh, the PSG game, but it's one game. And it's important that obviously, again, we're just because Breezy Dortmund are going to come to Newcastle to attack. We've only got one point on the board. They're going to come to Newcastle all out. So it's going to be a really tough game, home or away. That's why I'm going for this score. 1 1. Full time. Mm -hmm. 1 1. Interesting. 
Uh, yeah. The draws are back. The draws are back. He's on the fence. He'll get hammered for it, but he's on the fence. Uh, along with Sarah as well. But predictions are Isaac, in. Isaac the score. Isaac the score Ooh. against his former mm-hmm. club. Of yeah. course. First, first, of course. first Champions League goal. Yeah, we've not even talked about the fact that he is. He is an ex-Dortmund player, is our Alexander Isaac. Um, I, I know you had him for a short period before he went to um, um, Sociedad. But yeah. Uh, Interesting, interesting predictions all round, and get your predictions in the chat. If not, put it in the comments after the show. Uh, Bill has gone for three-one Newcastle. Ronald's gone for three-nil uh, Newcastle. Uh, there'll be many or others with their opinions as well. Uh, just before we say goodbye, we always have to thank our sponsors. Massive thanks to um, the RadiatorShed.com. Thank you to Russ and the team for all their support. Um, and they provide top quality materials made from plate steel provided longevity all designs are manufactured in italy and aluminium reds are very <laughs> environmentally friendly and are perfect for heat source pumps um, and you can see just some examples on there and we have to thank as well h2 bathroom design co uh, the north east largest suppliers of villaroy and box bathroom where team by the gateshead over 20 years established, ran by the family. So make sure you get down to the showroom on the 11th Avenue, Team Valley Estate in Gateshead. And some quality bathrooms on show. Um, if you wish to get involved, a thank you to our sponsors. Um, massive thanks to our guests, uh, Anton and Sarah. Um, Cheers. Just just plug really quickly where we can find you on social media or in general or where's your apps uh, for me just that's a Glasgow person okay and, uh, and Sarah where can we find you I'm at bbb underscore Orlando and then I also have a bbb podcast at fm underscore 1909 excellent so make sure you um, all subscribe to that and get involved in um, hopefully listen to them review uh, a defeat uh, on Thursday, uh, fingers crossed. But we have to say massive thanks for you to joining us. Great to have different guests and perspectives on our channel, as we always like to do on away days. Um, and hopefully we'll get you back for the reverse fixture and we can have a, another chat off the back of that. Just before we go, uh, we also have um, a very special watch-along. Uh, on the channel so if you haven't already uh, or not already aware we are going to do a watch along Wednesday um, to talk you through the game uh, Newcastle United against Borussia Dortmund so come and watch along with um, Loaded Mag and UFC get your points and opinions in there hopefully celebrate some goals with us and it should be a really good evening um thank you to everyone in the chat great questions as always amazing support thank you to the mods um, uh, for all of your support as well. And of course, um, Double O Stato with perfect stats as always. And Mr. Chris Hall, always on the button. Um, you guys have a fantastic Sunday evening. Best of luck uh, for the rest of the season after Wednesday for Borussia Dortmund. Um, but from a loaded Mac point of view, we do love playing away. Chris, take us out. How'd you like that? Oh, <laughs>